Good morning. Today's scripture reading will be Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 2. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 2. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were committed for. God defines faith differently than people. Because wouldn't it be fair to say that people consider faith to be one's personal beliefs about spiritual things. Things like, is there a God? Or will there be life after death? Things that you can't really prove. Just what you think or But that last part of that earthly definition of faith, it sends us down a certain path. Because when that's what we think of faith as being, it makes faith somehow secondary to those things in life that we can prove. Those hard subjects like history and science and math. And then when you consider the fact that there's people with different faiths, they have different personal beliefs. And that means, well, faith obviously must be left out of school. We only want to be teaching kids in a public setting what can be proven, what is known for certain. And if that's the case, then certainly we shouldn't base our laws as a nation on faith because not everyone shares that faith. We should be careful not to talk about faith in the workplace because some people that we work with might believe something differently than we do. And really, we end up to a point where it's even quite impolite to even discuss faith at all because you never know who you might offend with what you believe about faith. And before long, we end up like a criminal defense attorney somebody was recently telling me about who also taught Sunday school. And one of the participants in their Sunday school class asked this attorney, so how is it that you can do your job each day when you know that it's going to require you to lie? Now, I could envision a scenario where a criminal defense attorney would respond, well, I actually try to make sure I always say what's true. But it's my job to make sure that the law is fairly applied to each individual, that they get the rights that they're entitled to. But that's not what this criminal defense attorney said. Now, when this criminal defense attorney was pressed by somebody in his Sunday school class, he replied, well, yeah, I do have to lie. I find that when I go into the courtroom, I've just got to leave my faith outside of it. You know, that's a common view. Even among church-going folk, it's not okay, though. Because that's not how God defines faith. The Greek word that we translate as faith, pistis, it isn't just something that you personally think or feel. The original word carries with it the meaning of loyalty. It's being so sure that something is true that you're willing to act on. A conviction that is so deep it makes you get some skin in the game. It makes you able to take some real risks. And you might not see the outcome of those risks right away. You may not even see them in this lifetime. In fact, true faith is having 
conviction so strong that you're willing to die for it. And that is not the world's approach at all. Because to the world, that sounds much too extreme. We should instead have a faith that we're able to keep more privately, just something between us and God. But to have real faith in the one true God, you just can't keep it privately. True faith reaches deep down into your soul. And it encompasses everything that makes you who you are. Because true faith isn't wishy-washy. True faith isn't just your opinion. It's something that you arrived at based on evidence. Too much evidence to ignore. Evidence of the kind that demands that you act on it. The Bible is full of examples of that kind of faith. People who look a lot like us. Some of them were older and some of them were younger. Some of them were men, some of them were women. All of them like us were imperfect people. When you look at the stories of faith throughout Scripture, you see people who got scared or became impatient. You see people who messed up. People who messed up big time, people who got drunk, people who mistreated and abused and oppressed other people. But the reason that they are in the Bible, the reason that we tell our kids about them thousands of years later is not because they were perfect. They didn't set a flawless moral example, so just act like those guys that you hear about in your Sunday school class. No, the reason that they received that commendation the reason that God rewarded them, the reason that they've been memorialized in Scripture for us was their faith. And faith always starts with the Word of God. Because as the Hebrews writer continues in verse 3 of chapter 11, he says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made our things that are visible. You know, when you really think about it, everyone puts their faith, their total trust, their loyalty in something. Even atheists. If you look at scientists who insist that our world today could only possibly create could only possibly exist by 100% natural processes. That they look at how erosion happens today, or they look at how species adapt today, and say, okay, if you take that rate of change and then extrapolate it out over millions of years, that's the only way today's world could possibly exist. They still have faith. They're putting their faith in the world having always been exactly the way that it is today. And they are so sure that that is the only way to explain that, that even when evidence shows up, they conflicts with that view. Like the discovery a couple decades ago of a T-Rex fossil that actually still had soft tissue with it. Tissue that couldn't possibly have survived the tens of millions of years that that T-Rex fossil should have been 
Well, those scientists can see that evidence and still go to great lengths to try to explain it because they are so convinced that things must have been that way, that there's no other explanation. So you see, the reality is it's not really a question of hard science versus soft faith. It's really not a question of science versus faith at all. In fact, here in this congregation, we have two deacons and an elder who have doctorates in biological sciences, and they love God with all that they are. So it's not faith versus science. The question really is, what do we put our faith in? Is our faith in a textbook? Is it in a system of government? Is it in a political party? Is it in what other people say is right and wrong? Because those are things that change all the time. Do we put our faith in strangers on YouTube? Will we watch a video and be so sure that they must be right that we start shaping our thinking, that we choose our actions based on what this person we've never met says in a five-minute video? Or do we have the sort of faith that's a mantra for so many today? Even some Christian parents, maybe you've said, have faith in yourself. You can do it! But that's not how the people of old received their commendation. They changed the world. They changed the world in a way that we still talk about it, even though they live in the same world that we do, with all of the same pressures and sins. They looked at the same evidence that other people in their lifetimes could see the sun rising each morning, the rain falling on their fields, but when they saw it, they saw something else. They saw something more. Not a meaningless accident or a selfish scramble for survival. They saw a world that was created for a purpose. And there's nothing soft about seeing that. There is so much evidence available to us and physics and biology. How is it that this is the planet with the perfect conditions to sustain life? That if we moved a little this way or that way, or if the temperature goes up or down, things wouldn't be just the way they are now. Or there's so much evidence in philosophy. How would we evolve morality? How would we evolve marriage? There must be a God. And if that's true, if there must be a God, then that can't just be a personal, private opinion. Because if there is a God, why would he create this world unless he had a reason? Unless he had a purpose for it? And if there is a God who has the power to create all of this with his word, wouldn't his word be worth us listening As the Hebrews writer continues in verse 4, he says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than him, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. 
For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. You only have to read the first six pages of the Bible to see God rewards those who seek him. Abel, in Genesis chapter 4, wanted to please God with the sacrifice that he offered. And even though he died, having the distinction of being history's first murder victim, killed by his own brother, Abel still speaks to us through that. Abel's life still matters all of these millennia later. Enoch wanted to please God, and he didn't even have to die. Genesis chapter 5 tells us that God just took him. And then the whole world was facing death due to its wickedness in Genesis chapter 6. But Noah and his family were saved. They were saved because they wanted to be near God. Which meant they believed that he exists, yes. But it also meant that they recognized he wanted a relationship with them. That he had things that he wanted done in this world. And it was in their own best interest to learn and to do that. Now Noah and his family didn't always get it right. In fact, after the flood. There's stories in scripture about Noah getting drunk and something shameful going down between him and his own son. Yet even then, even with those imperfections, their loyalty, their desire to please God, being so strong that they actually acted on it, was enough for God to still count as them being in the right relationship that they could still be counted as receiving a reward from him. That's the God that our faith is in. He has the power to create everything with a word, and he reveals himself to us as someone who wants relationship with us so strongly that he'll reward us. Imperfections and all if we'll just diligently seek him. In Hebrews 11 and verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive his inheritance. And he went, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them 
and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they'd gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better thing. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he is prepared for them. When you are seeking God with true faith, he's going to take you in some unexpected directions. Because it's not just about faith in yourself. When your faith is in God, he's going to make you able to accomplish things you can't do on your own. He's going to make you a part of something bigger than yourself. Abraham was 75 years old when God called to him in Genesis chapter 12 to leave his homeland so he could make of him a great nation. Who wants to start living in a tent at age 75? Who wants to raise children in your 70s, 80s, 90s? Which shouldn't have even been possible. When Sarah finally gave birth, she was over 90 years old. She was well past menopause. Yet God gave her power to conceive. She put her faith in his power. And he gave her Isaac. So when she died, and Isaac wasn't even married, when Abraham died and his descendants, which now included two grandsons, Esau and Jacob, were still living in tents, they didn't lose hope. They knew that God was doing something bigger, greater, better than they had seen, than they could see in their lifetimes. If it had just been about Abraham having his home, it would have been easy enough for him to go back but they didn't go back because that wasn't it. They were seeking God's purpose. And because of who he is, with the evidence of all that he'd done in generations passed through their own lives, they knew that all the things they were going through would mean something. Their choices then, the actions that they took in faith, would lead to somewhere heavenly. Though not that much. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's eating. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ 
greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she'd given a friendly welcome to the disciples. See, part of the journey of faith was Abraham being tested. In that case, challenged to sacrifice Isaac. God had told him that he would keep his promise through Isaac. So the question was, did Abraham really trust him to do what he said? The journey was dying fathers pronouncing blessings on their sons that they wouldn't see themselves, expecting that as good as things were in their day, was their families had food and famines, as they had influence in foreign kingdoms, that even then God would still make things better because he would keep his promises. Now, it wasn't an easy journey because part of their journey was slavery in Egypt. Part of their journey was the murder of Hebrew babies, the willful genocide by the Egyptians of the offspring that God had promised them generations earlier. But Moses' family had faith, refusing the king's edict. Moses himself grew up to have faith, giving up the privileges of being raised as a member of the Egyptian pharaoh's household to suffer instead with the oppressed, to suffer with his people, God's people, even though it meant facing pharaoh's anger. Having faith on that journey meant trusting God through plagues, Believing that if God sent him to tell the Pharaoh that a destroyer was going to come for all of the firstborn, what God said would actually happen. Believing that if Israel did what God said and ate a lamb and put some of its blood on the door, the destroyer wouldn't come and have taken any of their children. All of that was faith. It was faith that if they stepped between two giant walls of water, they wouldn't collapse on Faith that the Egyptians wouldn't overtake them. Faith that giant walls around seemingly impenetrable cities wouldn't be able to prevent God's promise from being kept. Faith, and not just for the biological people of Israel, because all of this wasn't because they were so good. They weren't. Scripture makes that clear. They mess up all the time, just like we do. But God is and scripture shows us anyone can put faith in him. Even a Gentile prostitute like Rahab. She trusted God more than her nation, more than her culture, and she took action because of that. She had seen the evidence. She heard the stories of what God had done in Egypt, just like everybody else in her day had. The difference being, though, she believed God. She decided she wanted to please him, even at risk to herself. And God rewarded because that's faith. And that's 
just the first six books of the Bible. That just takes us through the first 150 pages. There's a lot more to follow. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured. <coughs> so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. The Bible is full of stories of amazing things. People who did incredible things and faced impossible situations. And sometimes in the midst of those painful situations, God delivered them. Sometimes those people gave the ultimate sacrifice. Yet they stayed loyal to God through it. They were sure, they were deeply convicted that he would be working. And sometimes that where we stop. The whole fame of faith, as we like to call it. The New Testament giving us the greatest hits of the Old Testament. Remember these stories and follow their example. But what if I told you there was more to it than that? That as great as their stories were, God has provided even better for us. Listen to Hebrews 11, verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every way. And sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We had an advantage that millennia of the faithful didn't. 
See, I think a lot of times we can be guilty of looking back wistfully. We wish God would just speak, that his voice would just thunder from heaven and tell us what to do like he did back then. We see the bad things going on in the world, we just wish God would just say, fire down from heaven and just take care of it for us. We wish that these waters before us, God would just part like he did for them. When he was doing all of that, and those folks were being commended for their loyalty to God, they still didn't receive the promise yet. As cool as all of that sounds to us, God has provided something even better for us. You see, we call them the whole of faith. But apart from us, they can't be made perfect. Because we have Jesus. And all those things God was doing. That purpose that he had. The promises that he made. His patiently working through those imperfect people whenever they had faith. All of that was to bring us Jesus. So we don't need voices from heaven. We don't need any of our 90-year-old ladies to get miraculously pregnant. We have Jesus. And he's better. Now their faith becomes our evidence. Their witness assures us because sometimes God's purposes take longer than we like. Sometimes we are seeking him, but we don't immediately see the results that we would expect. Sometimes we're trying to obey him, and we still have hard times. Companies, downsides. Doctors call with bad news. Police officers knock at the door. Relationships end. Friends move away. And it's not the same as building an ark for the general end of the world. But sometimes it does feel like our world. We aren't actually making grips without straw under harsh Egyptian taskmasters. But some of our teachers, some of our supervisors, some of our parents make us wonder. And faith in God not only brought them through all of that, it brought all of us to Jesus. So look to Him. We are carrying some weights. It's time to lay those in. There are ways that we offer, that we personally speak to people, go about doing things, that we even think about things that go against God's purposes. So we need to take this moment to lay aside that sin and run. 
run with endurance to Jesus. Because we don't leave him outside of work. We don't avoid talking about him to our friends. We have faith. And not a private, personal opinion type of faith either. It's the kind of faith that sees the evidence and believes in God, believes that his word should be heard and obeyed, that seeks to please him, even when it means following him to unexpected places, even when it means facing hard things. Because he helped Abraham and Moses and the prophets, sure, but even more because of how he helped them, he brought us Jesus, who with joy endured the cross for us. Our sins today are forgiven because he endured, and we get to become part of his body. By faith, his spirit dwells in our hearts, helping to change us from the inside out so that we can change the world, because Jesus didn't just die. Jesus rose. There is so much evidence. This world is still reverberating with the impact of what happened that Sunday morning. So we can be sure. We can be deeply convicted. Jesus reigns right now. And whatever problems we face, whatever struggles we go through, he is in control. So you can have faith. It is all leading somewhere because we have Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, let's do something about that. Don't Drift through this life without an If you believe the evidence, then it's time to obey. If you want to talk about what that means for you, come up and see me. And, uh...